A game one loss is going to sting for the Phoenix Suns. There's no two ways about it, but this series is still wide open. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll talk about what went right and what's got to be scrapped. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen after game one in Denver. You can, if you've not already, hit follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you use, wherever you're finding us. Hit follow, hit subscribe, get this show in your, sing- in your feed every single day. Become an everyday or get locked on to your favorite team. You can also follow along at Locked On PHX Suns, where you can give your seven words or less game takes, including John Voida, friend of the show, at Darth Voida, saying seven game series. Corby Dickerson, don't leave three point shooters wide open. And then maybe best of all, at Corby Dickerson as well, with the word rebound seven straight times. Let's get right to the chase. 125-107 was the final score of today's game. And uh, a blowout's not easy. A blowout in game one of a series is never easy. Um, there's That's it. That's it. I mean, and I'm going to start with the negatives for that reason. We'll get into the moment of game in, second, in segment two. Usually that's how we start. But there's just too much big picture stuff to get to after such a big game. And one where I was able to watch on TV rather than having to be there in person. So I was really glued in, locked in, taking notes, doing all that stuff for you. So we're going to go what needs to be worried about, what doesn't need to be worried about, offense, defense, all right? So what is concerning about the offense? Let's start there. Not enough balance or decisiveness. You've heard me yelling about decisiveness all week. I mean, basically since game one of the Clippers series. And I think there were a lot of Suns fans with that feeling of deja vu a little bit where it just felt like there wasn't a plan on a lot of these possessions, and it felt like guys were losing the ball, guys were hesitating, the shot clock's running down, and you have a Josh Okogie mid-ranger here, you have turnovers there. It it got disorganized. It only took until the five-minute mark of the first quarter for my first note of the Suns aren't running offense in this game, all right? And so that also leads to Chris Paul. It's kind of chicken or egg, but part of that is Chris Paul not being involved, Part of that we'll talk about in a second in terms of the shot for shots for role players. Um, but this team is not good enough right now at finding what to attack and attacking it. You know, they they have the answers when they find them, but it doesn't always feel like they're able to stick with what's working or switch to something different if plan A doesn't work, right? So, you know... For instance, they got two KD ISOs early. I understand that wasn't going to work forever, but, you know, really shortly thereafter, um, they start running the ball, with, running things with the ball in Durant's hands, getting some double drag screens, getting post-ups versus smaller guys, finding space against bigger guys and, and doing it that way. Um, but, you know, then Biombo checks in, KD's matchup changes, and it feels like by the end of the quarter, KD ISOs are no longer the 
the plan as much. Um, and then definitely not into the second quarter. They start to get lost again. Durant's not in there. They're going to eight and post-ups against smaller guys. They are, you know, piling up with these turnovers and not getting threes up. And really in that second quarter, I think, is when things started to fall apart. The reason I say the Duran ISOs didn't work all night is because this is number two, what I think you should worry about. Seven turnovers for Kevin Durant, right? Their first quarter was great. And so maybe we do see them run a lot of Durant-heavy stuff early in these games. I said heading into it that if Durant was aggressive and assertive from the jump that this team was going to win this series. He was that tonight, but not fully in the ways that you needed him to be and definitely not all night. And the other part of this, the sort of subheading of this what you should worry about is Bruce Brown. He repeatedly picked Durant's pocket. He repeatedly picked Booker's pocket. Uh, Brown had three steals tonight. Christian Brown had four, although a lot of those felt like more so in transition and different things like that. Brown, it was just the same as what we saw against the Clippers with Russell Westbrook and other guys just just disrupting the dribble of Durant especially, but also Booker, and that's a big part of why Durant had those seven turnovers. Um, And lastly, I think something to worry about on offense is the threes. I got a lot of those responses with the seven words or less game take, and I'm right there with you guys. The Suns ended up getting up 23 threes, but a lot of those were once the bench guys in garbage time started just jacking shots. That wasn't really uh, a good description, a good illustration of what really happened in this game. I think the four guys I look at, which is a lot, but it's it's where we are. Chris Paul, he passed up a lot of catch-and-shoot threes in this game. I understand it's not comfortable for him. He did still take five, but I feel like he left a few on the table. He was up near seven or eight in a lot of those first round games. I think that's the range that we've seen be kind of the sweet spot for the Suns. Josh Okogie, he needs to take those shots if they're going to be there for him. There was one play he caught the ball in the corner and he wasn't even spaced out all the way to the corner. That's some 2014 offense right there. That's not going to do it. Either cut or space. You can't be in no man's land. That's not an option. That's a bad decision making. And, and even that one extra three, Who knows? Maybe he makes it. You just can't make those small mistakes. Booker and Durant as well. They combined in this game to take four threes. Um, Not going to cut it. The pull-up jumper in transition on that left wing is a Kevin Durant staple. That is going to be there for him all night. Every night. Nobody can block it. No one can stop it. Booker in the pick and roll. Talked about that heading into the series. Wrote about that at Dime Magazine. If you want to check that article out, breaking down Booker's awesome play in in the playoffs and what he could do against Denver. I wrote that if he was going to take those pull-up threes when Denver had Jokic dropping, which they didn't do a ton to his credit, but then he was going to to really just be unguardable. Um, he didn't take those shots. Again, that, that wasn't quite how they guarded the Suns as much in this game. They didn't really go to that drop all that often, but he still, we know he can take those in transition, et cetera. So the threes are also on him. It's all four of those guys, in my opinion. Craig continued to get them, continued to take them. Maybe that's why he's going to start in game two. We'll get to him in a little bit in a second. Uh, Defensively, what should you worry about? Pick and roll defense by DeAndre Ayton. Uh, Just not good enough. Honestly, felt like his early career in this game. I thought I'll get to a positive on Ayton, two of them uh, momentarily. But as far as the negative to, to jump to start things off, he allowed himself to get switched on to smaller players when he didn't need to. Murray, Bruce Brown, uh, whoever. Very little second effort on pick and rolls we saw this over and over his first couple of years in the league where 
if the driver, let's say the best example is, let's say Murray, Murray, Jokic pick and roll. Murray drives all the way to the basket, dumps it back off to Jokic kind of um, Steve Nash type pass under the basket back to the rolling big man. Aiton will stay with Murray, contest whatever's going on there. And as soon as that pass comes to, to Jokic on the roll, Aiton's nowhere to be found. Drives on the second side, drives on pick and pops, whatever the case was, that just that second effort, that extra help was not there. And that was a huge thing. The 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 the, the Nuggets posted up Jokic early in this game and Aiton did well. So I'll talk about that in a second. They in, in, adapted very quickly to pick and rolls with Murray and Jokic, and that was kind of it. They both went off as that progressed. What else you should be worried about on defense? Kogi put up very little resistance on Murray and was screened out of plays all night long. So as much as Aiton was struggling in the pick and roll defense, so was the point of attack defender in Josh Kogi. He was getting smacked by Jokic screens. He was getting lost on uh, you know misdirection stuff that Murray is very good at. And I just did not feel like the starting lineup change that we saw, which was to put Okogi in the lineup, something that I called for, something that I thought would work, it just didn't end up really being a positive whatsoever, in large part because his defense just was not good enough. And then last but not least, they just allowed too many offensive rebounds. You just can't do that. That's been a problem for the Suns forever. If it continues to be one, the Nuggets are going to have an easy time scoring. And, uh, you know, any team who gives up that many offensive rebounds, which tonight was uh, 16, eight of which came from Jokic, you're going to probably lose that game. All right, positive note, really fast here. What not to worry about? I think the shot diet. The Suns got into the paint plenty. I think they had 60 points in the paint. I feel like the free throws will come. You know, um, there's a lot of defenders on this team that are going to have no better option but to foul Durant and Booker, to foul Ayton. We saw that at times tonight, but not consistently. They only got to the line 17 times. Booker had eight free throw attempts, which was nice. He was getting downhill. He was getting fouled. He had a few and ones. Uh, I would think that Durant's free throws will go up. I think if you get into the bonus, then other guys start to get free throws and on and on. Booker and Katie still got theirs, right? I thought Aiton scored against small guys. There's your positive on Aiton. And I feel like all that together, my takeaway from there is the Suns found mismatches, right? Booker was able to uh, blow by some of his defenders. He was able to uh, get isolations against guys like Michael Porter Jr., Durant was able to post up mismatches like KCP and Christian Brown. Aiton against that small ball unit in the second quarter scored repeatedly over Jeff Green and Bruce Brown and others. That's good. That's something the Suns can continue to build on. I thought the transition opportunities also were there for the Suns if they commit to it. If they commit to running, the Suns will be able to score in transition in this game, in this series. Defensively, um, what not to worry about. I feel like Aiton was solid against Jokic in the post. Like I said, that's how the Nuggets opened this game was to have Jokic posting up, trying to score, trying to distribute, find spot up opportunities, etc. And I thought Aiton was totally comfortable there. He contested well. I believe Jokic started this game four of nine from the field in the first quarter. And a lot of that was Aiton. I also thought, and this is looking forward a little bit, that Torrey Craig was really solid against Jamal Murray. In the second half, Craig played much more than Akogi. They finished uh, with Craig 24 minutes, Akogi 19. I would not be surprised if Craig started in game two again. You just got to swallow it and do it, I think, because 
Craig stayed with him through screens really nicely. And I thought the most telling part is Murray was trying to get Craig switched off of him, you know, late in that game. He was trying to go after Landry Shamit or a big man or, you know, just anything to, to kind of get into space against someone other than Craig. And that should matter. That's, that's the, the scorer telling us who he's more afraid of. And it felt like Craig was who he was most afraid of tonight, all things considered. In a night when he absolutely cooked the Suns, which takes us to our moment of the game, which was that third quarter. That third quarter run by Jamal Murray uh, was best player in the game type of stuff. It completely flattened the Suns and kind of put them away frankly, even though they did make a push to cut it to 10 early in the fourth, you could just feel that that Murray stretch took the life out of, of what Phoenix wanted to do. We'll get into that next. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by Nissan with the electric player of the week, the most electric player of the week, brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Today's selection after game one is going to be who shall we pick? I got to go with, we'll go with Kevin Durant here um, as much. Uh, no, we'll go with Torrey Craig. We'll go with Torrey Craig because he took two threes that were open. He made one. He used his fouls fine. And like I just said, he was the only guy who could do much of anything against Jamal Murray. Um, you needed to match Murray's intensity in this game. You needed to match his confidence and his physicality in this game. And Craig played electric basketball. He played powerful basketball. And the 2022-2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria is the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Today's show also brought to you by BetterHelp. Look, uh, I've told you before, I'll tell you again. During COVID, my wife and I both have found a lot of success, a lot of help going to therapy. It's all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through things. And I think being alone a lot, being having to go through change as much as we all have the past three years, and even though we're out of it now, I think we're still adjusting to, okay, well, now what is normal like again? What is my new job? What is my new family situation after all of the craziness and BetterHelp can definitely help you find positive coping skills, how to set boundaries. And it's not just for people who've experienced major trauma. We all have experienced something. And if that change has affected you in any way, therapy can help. If you're thinking of starting, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire to get started and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash NBA. Closing out the show here. No, we're not closing out the show. Uh, we're going to talk about the moment of the game, Jamal Murray. It felt like I was kidding there for you guys. I really thought this was the last segment, and then I just caught myself mid-sentence. So let's roll with it. Jamal Murray, third quarter, absolutely went off. Um, absolutely went off. And it was the type of thing where the beginning of it was understandable, and then all of a sudden it wasn't understandable anymore. If that makes sense, uh, because at the beginning of all of this, um, was this the third quarter or was this the fourth quarter? Yeah. Yeah. Third quarter. Um, 
No, this was the fourth quarter. This was the fourth quarter. And Murray at first was hunting Shamit. At first he was hunting Landry Shamit off of switches. He had the confidence and chemistry with Jokic. That was sort of there all night. He had a great first half. Like, I don't want to make it sound like Jamal Murray just all of a sudden found something that no one else had ever seen him do before in this magical game one. No, that really wasn't what it was. He was great from the jump. He was hitting his step back three. He was getting to the basket. He was playing off of Jokic well. I know Nuggets fans don't always like if he's a little bit uh, greedy on the two-man game and kind of takes it for himself too often. I don't think he was doing that at all. I thought that their their back and forth was awesome. Um, what really I feel like got started, if I had to pinpoint it to one exact play, it would be the steal that are, are the missed three into the rebound into the Murray and one that where, where Kevin Durant fouled him. Um, I don't remember the exact second of that play, but that to me was the quintessential play. It was Durant. It was Murray making an absolutely unreal righty flip shot off the glass with Durant contesting him. And then after that, he hit a step back three on the left wing. And then right after that was when Booker completely lost him in transition with some ball movement. It was a weird broken play. And then he hits that transition three where Booker is kind of behind the play. No one steps up to catch him. And the Nuggets go up 17 at the six minute, 56 second mark. That was the game. Um, the, the starters stayed in for a couple more minutes, and then Monty subbed them out. And so, look, that that's understandable. Like, honestly, you, I just gave you what's what's a problem and what's not. I think, obviously, allowing Jamal Murray to have 34 points, nine assists, just three turnovers, shoot, you know, 55, 60% from the field, 6 of 10 from 3. None of that's good. I'm not here to say, actually, you should let that happen. But I didn't have that on my Mayday emergency five-alarm fire list there in the first segment of what to worry about. I think Murray is a player who... I don't want to say that he operates independently of the defense. I don't want to make it sound like Jamal Murray is unguardable, but there's the bubble Murray sort of nickname that's coming back after his magical first round moments. And now this that's there for a reason. It's the same reason Lillard Mitchell, these other guys, even Booker, although it's a little bit different for him are able to go on these, these tears, right? The pull-up three is a big part of it. That shot, if you can get to it and make it, makes you that much closer to being unguardable. And having the chemistry in two-man game with Jokic, having the effectiveness in transition, these are all ways where Murray's game is not necessarily predicated on you don't want to give him space. You don't want to allow him to come off of a screen with a bunch of downhill driving lanes or space to pull up immediately. Or like You want to make him feel you, 
but he's going to be able to score anyway. And so all things considered, the two man, the, the, the combination of Jokic and Murray tonight, 58 points, 14 assists, six turnovers. I don't find that to be the absolute best that they could have been, but I guess if you look at that as, and the Suns still lost, well, that's a problem, right? But I think there's another way of looking at it that that stretch wasn't this crushing, we're never going to be able to contain Murray ever again type of moment. He was making difficult shots. He was making back-breaking, demoralizing shots. And that's kind of what I want to say here as well, that to me is is a big part of why that was the moment of the game. It just, the relentlessness of it was big. Um, the compounding of you miss a three, you turn the ball over, and here's this guy who's scorching hot to come multiply your mistake by 10, right? Um, and I think the other part here, sort of bigger picture of why that moment mattered is the math of it. And this is a nerdy thing. This is something that is a weird thing to become like a catchphrase in a series. I kind of hope we can just appreciate what's going on and not do the whole, well, the Suns are losing because of, of the math. I, I really just don't buy into that. I, I, not so much because that wasn't true. In this case, it was. I told you that the threes, not generating enough threes, the Suns offense, that is something I'm worried about, obviously. The Nuggets going 16 of 37, you have to be worried about if you are the Suns coaching staff and, and game planning and players trying to focus on, on contesting and, and getting better rotations in game two. But I just sort of feel like the math of the fact that Murray's offense is going to come primarily from deep and in these incredibly efficient places is part of what makes it so backbreaking, right? He is a threes and layups player when he's at his best. Obviously, he can make mid-range jumpers. Obviously, he can post up. He has a bag, right? But when he's really feeling it and picking his spots and operating in space, he's going to get to the basket or he's going to make a three. And I think that's where he starts to become really dangerous if you allow him to get hot and if you allow him to go after worse defenders and, and all these things. Um, because you can't necessarily compete with that, especially with how indecisive the Suns were. And it just sort of felt like that was what was going on there. You know, he has the, the layup, which is directly off of a miss. He has a couple times when he slows it down and works a great half-court shot, and then that transition three um, that put them up 17 was just about the worst type of sequence you can have to turn the ball over and then allow the opponent to, to make an open three off of it. So it was kind of everything. It illustrated why Murray's going to be such a threat, why their offense is so dangerous, and why you can't allow them to take advantage of the mistakes that you make, that that's not going to be an option. I, I posted, I tweeted at one point during this game, the Suns, if they're going to make their run to come back when they were down, you know, double digits, I think it was 
midway through the third or something like that, and I was I just said, you know, the Nuggets aren't going to beat themselves. The Suns need to get stops. And in this game, the Suns beat themselves a lot of the time. And the Nuggets just sort of didn't. So that's how you get to a point where you lose by 18. Let's talk about the smaller stuff. Threes, how do you get that better? <laughs> Rebounding. And rotations. We'll do that next. First today's show, guys, brought to you by eBay Motors. Just like a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over $122 million Parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. Closing things out for real this time. Let's start with the threes. Uh, My only real thought here outside of uh, take more pull-ups if you're Durant and Booker, take more catch-and-shoots if you're Chris Paul, that's sort of obvious. We talked about Torrey Craig being more willing to let it fly than Josh Kogi. So if Craig starts or at the very least plays more minutes in game two, you would imagine he is a positive when it comes to the shooting. I just want to kind of remind people and to bring Chris Paul back into the conversation here, since he's kind of the one guy we haven't talked about as much of the big four on this Suns team. He's the player who creates threes for others primarily Booker has gotten a lot better Booker has been handed the keys to this offense in a big way this season that is an opportunity that he will have to continue to grow into to find shooters make the role players better as an offensive creator I don't think that's really what he should be doing or worrying about or being relied upon for at this point Booker is out there when the ball is in his hands to use his gravity as a scoring threat to open up things for others, mostly the weak side corner or the roll man. Booker is not going to necessarily be the guy to sort of dribble out the clock while a set kind of unfurls, manipulate the defense, all in the name of getting a pass off to somebody for a three, right? In transition, Booker's not... You don't want him looking for that shooter springing open in the corner. You'd like him to just probably go out and get a layup, right? All these different things. So it's Chris Paul. And so when the ball's not in Chris Paul's hands, when he's not able to get into a rhythm, when the Suns don't run a lot of their bread and butter pick and roll stuff with Aiton and Paul, the shooters aren't going to get threes. The shooters being the role players. Kogi, Craig, even... You know, I thought Book found Craig a lot in that first series because the Clippers were playing off of him so much. So maybe that's a connection you could rely on. But again, that's sort of, you know, built into how Booker's used. It's not so much that he's like creating that opening or manipulating it into existence. He's just making the pass when it's there because everyone has to sell out to try to stop him. So Craig, Akogi, Lee, Shamit, all those guys. Chris Paul's going to be there. They're master in that stuff right that's going to be the guy for them so I think that is something finding opportunities to run the pick and roll stuff is going to be good 
Nikola Jokic only got called for one foul in this game. That doesn't feel that doesn't feel good to me. <laughs> um, even honestly, the post ups against Jeff Green and others that Aiton ran in that f- in that second quarter. As much as I thought that was kind of smart and ended up getting some good scoring for Aiton, if that's pick and roll, it might even be better because you're still going to have chances to find Aiton, but you might also find some other stuff. They just seem so kind of predetermined to feed Aiton inside in that spot. That's just one example when it was, uh, you know, I think some of that was when Booker was off the floor, Durant was on the floor. That beginning of the second quarter stretch, it's really the consistent people on the court are Paul and Aiton. Um, And so why not try to use those two guys as the kind of focal point and get some of that typical 0.5 offense going in those spots. Um, Rebounding. The numbers are inflated to me a little bit because Jokic had a couple of possessions where he was tipping and missing, tipping and missing. So even if you take three or four away from Denver, that still gets you to 13. You know, not, not ideal. You combine that with the fact that they the Suns turned the ball over 16 times to nine for the Nuggets, and there's all these ways where the the Nuggets were just able to create extra possessions, um, j- just get just get more opportunities to score than the Suns did. I'm not sure what the fix is there, <laughs> to be completely honest with you. I mean, try harder, obviously, right? Um, but it's just going to be a disadvantage. I just think Denver's a good offensive rebounding team. The Suns don't have the size to be a great defensive rebounding team. I feel like, you know, the Suns, especially while they're discombobulated right now as an offense, they don't always have everybody in the perfect spot to crash the boards. Akogi and Craig are the right people to potentially do that. Biombo didn't have a great run. He got benched in favor of Landale. A lot of the tricks for the Suns to get offensive rebounds aren't going to click unless other stuff is clicking and guys are certain guys are playable and in, you know, a good headspace and all that stuff to be focused on crashing. And I think too from a defensive rebounding perspective I think Aiton did. There were a couple of nice defensive rebounds I thought Aiton got. I thought Durant got a few nice ones, and yet you still look up and it was very lopsided. I just don't know if there is a, a clear cut, easy fix for making that better uh, when you're going up against Jokic and Gordon and Bruce Brown and uh, Christian Brown had two tonight. That's that's not going to be easy. All right, uh, last thing, rotations. You have not heard me say the name Landry Shamit really tonight at all outside of Jamal Murray cooking him on a couple of switches when he wanted to get Craig off of him, as I mentioned earlier. But uh, that doesn't mean I thought he played well. It just means that I don't feel like that's the problem. Now, you look up and the plus minus would tell you that the... I mean, everybody was a minus on the Suns tonight who played... Basically, uh, Damian Lee was a plus two. Jock Landale was a plus five. But uh, honestly, even that mostly came in the end of that fourth quarter when everybody was just playing, let's get the game over with ball, right? So minus 20 for Durant, minus 21 for Aiton, minus 
15 for Sham at minus 12 for Craig. Like it, everybody was a minus. So I don't even know if that tells you the full story. I think the main times where Shamit struggled was he getting hunted by Shamit, uh, by Murray. He fouled Jeff Green in that stretch, which was not good. And I think that there were a couple of times when he potentially had some threes or whatnot and just didn't take them. I mean, but like even that I think is a little bit misleading because people like to talk about Damian Lee as an option there. Damian Lee had a lot of games in this regular season where the ball did not come to him and he did not take threes. That's why he got out of the rotation, I think, in large part, because that's what he's out there to do, and he wasn't doing it. Um, That is a hard thing to do, and if the offense isn't, again, centered on and focused on generating threes for you, it's going to be a struggle to... It's going to be a struggle to get them off. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that Landry Shamit's the reason they lost. I'm not even gonna say that it's a big issue. I'm not gonna say that it's even the, the biggest issue in the bench. But I do understand because the other part is like I feel like Shamit had a couple of defensive possessions against Jamal Murray. I feel like he had a couple of of places where he was on an island against Murray and held up fine. Even the mid range jumper in that big Murray stretch that I talked about, Shamit had a hand in his face. So anyway. The point is, um, they probably should look elsewhere. They probably should play Terrence Ross, but you are giving something up because you're basically saying in that case that because he wasn't aggressive on offense and this and that, you're going to bench a player who was one of your better options against the guy who just went off against you for 34 points in Jamal Murray in favor of somebody who can score more. And if Jamal Murray has a game where, you know, when he's getting a heat check, he's switching on to somebody even worse than Shamit. He's getting a switch on and, and attacking Terrence Ross or Cameron Payne or Damian Lee, who I think are all worse defenders than Shamit, then you're going to be just as mad as those at those guys. The Suns don't have great two-way answers off of the bench. If they did, they would be playing them. And if they were playing them and they were good, then the Suns would probably be cruising to a championship. That's the fundamental flaw with this team. There's no way around it. It's not a coincidence that I'm talking about a Kogi struggling, Shamit struggling, you know, the backup center spot still being a question campaign, not always having a role in every single series, depending on the size of the opponent and the physicality that he's going to face and the defensive requirements of being out there. These are all players who are forced into bigger roles because the Suns are thin and they're going to struggle and there's always going to be that question. So I would like to see Terrence Ross out there more. I think when somebody like Christian Brown is playing, you definitely can get away with with putting Ross on him. I even think Bruce Brown, like he was very good tonight. He got to the basket a couple of really big times in the fourth quarter to cut the Suns off when they were making a run. But that's not something you game plan around. You're not going to, you shouldn't be benching or, or restricting a player who you think can help you because he might give up some layups to Bruce Brown. I, I just, that can't be your mentality. So especially when the, when the Nuggets have their bench guys in there, the Sun should be answering with Ross. I think especially when it's only one of Booker or KD on the floor, Ross can be a supplemental scorer and shooter. I think that 
He is long. He is big. He is a veteran. So if he's not having to defend on the ball, he could probably be fairly useful and help in these different things. I don't know. But it's not... You can't keep rolling out the same thing and hoping for it to work. Monty said post-game everything's on the table. I think it should be. All right, that'll wrap us up. We'll be back tomorrow, everydayers, for a in-between days episode of the show previewing game two on Monday. Brandon Duenas will be joining as he does every Monday to get you ready for that game. Talk a little bit with a clearer head about this game. It's a weird one. I hope that I gave you some things to chew on, but I can't uh, lie and tell you that this game uh, went the way that I expected. Jokic wasn't even spectacular and the Nuggets still won by 20 points. Uh, Strange. All right. Catch Locked on Sports today as well when you can on Monday over the weekend. Get that show wherever you get podcasts as well. Make that your second listen and I'll catch you guys tomorrow.